Well, good morning, church. Join us as we worship this morning.
the Lord as long as I live. Psalm 146, one through two. Oh 
good morning. We left Camarillo about 30 years ago. I was on staff with the church with my wife, Melody. And some of you will remember us. Uh, we know some of your parents, those that are serving here on the stage. And it's a pleasure to be back. We've been back a few days in jet lag and uh, looking forward to this time with you. We want to bring a message today about the power of God, the power of God through the people of God. And what I have in mind here is uh, a sense in which the believer communities, the people of God throughout the world are interwoven multinationally, that something from the East has something to say to the Western version of the church, the interwoven, interconnected to church. And I want to talk today about the purpose and plan of God in the, in the greater salvation history, a cosmic and an epic tale of which we're made to be a part. And there are dimensions to this tale, to this story, to God's story, that I'm going to call a missional story because it's God's mission and we're a part of God's mission and we're then a missional community. In this, in this story, there's cosmic, uh, cosmic dimensions that are both seen and unseen because we live in a part of the world where the unseen is very uh, evident and very strongly expressed. We've learned a lot about the people of God as a community, as a missional community, as we've lived the overseas these 30 years and still live in the center of Java. But it's a people of God who are both missional uh, and powerful because they're dependent and because we very much have to lean on God. We're going to pick up in Ephesians in this uh, talk, in this dialogue with you. And I'm going to be reading, uh, it's not on the screen, from Ephesians 1, some aspects of how the plan of God is working out through the people of God in the unfolding of the story of God in Ephesians 1. This is a backdrop as we get into uh, the specific focus of this message. As I pick up from verse 18, the prayer of Paul is that we as believers would become more aware, become a, know at a deeper level what is the immeasurable greatness of the power of God through and to us who believe. So we're talking about an in, immeasurable dimension of power an unlimited amount of power of God that's available and working and blessing and working through us, in us, as the people of God. According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That is the, the greatest measure, the greatest exhibition of the power of God is the resurrection of Christ. And then he seated him at the right hand of God and as I read here, at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and over all authority and power and dominion. And so the book of Ephesians is laying out these levels of status in the unseen powers of darkness. There's very high level dark powers. And, you know, the most important thing is Christ is all powerful above all of that. And he's above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So this is a timeless story. It has dimensions from the past and the present and the future. And we're part of this epic story. And then this, these verses finish with, and he put all things under the feet of Christ and gave him as head over all things 
to the church, which is his body. So here the church or the people of God is pictured as the body in relation to the head being Christ. But the body is the fullness of who Christ is. The body is an expression in this world of all that Christ is, who is over all, who's more powerful than all. And the way he expresses his power is through the people of God. These things are hard to get our heads around. In another place in Ephesians 2, and I'm again reading from a screen that's not going to be before you. Paul speaks about he was made a minister of the, of the God's grace. So we're, we're dealing with the riches of the gift of God in our lives. And we're distributing that grace to other people. Paul very much feels this. But he feels a special calling to preach to the unreached peoples, the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light to everyone what is the plan, what is the mystery that God has hidden for ages and now in Christ has made known. But his purpose, and this is what I want to highlight here, his purpose, reading from chapter 2, verse 10, is so that through the church, through the people of God, the manifold wisdom of God, might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So there's, there, as we watch a, a football game, and if we were in the stands, maybe it's we're way up and we're looking down, there's things happening down on the field that's being viewed and, and uh, enjoyed by a lot of spectators all in, and through the television all over the world. But what's happening here in Christ is through the church, through the people of God, through we who have believed, the manifold wisdom of God, the many facets of the wisdom of God might be made known. So we're distributing information and awareness of who God is to all these unseen powers and authorities in the heavenly places. Reading on in Ephesians 3, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask, Anything you could think or I could think to ask, and more than we think, anything we could think to imagine, his power is greater than that, according to the power that's at work within us as believers. That's the amazing thing. Not that he's powerful, but that he chooses to put it on exhibition, expressing it through us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. So we'll stop here to pray. And Father, we ask that you might, as we begin to try to wrap our heads around this, to think about things no one's asked us to think about this week. We pray that you would usher us in to the, the levels of the majesty of Christ and his ruling power above all, and that, that surprising mystery of how you tell us you express yourself through the people of God. And we pray that you add a deeper grasp of this in our lives and allow us to play it out in our lives this coming week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So here is where we come up with the screen. And we want to then talk about a growing missional community. Fifteen years ago, 2008, Wahid, a pseudonym, a friend of mine, had been sharing his faith and he was in prison for his witness for a three-year period. During this period, 
He was living in the prison amongst many who were from an unreached Islamic people group who were very aggressive. And because of his faith, he was often beaten in prison. But over a period of time, he gained favor with the warden. And then he was put in charge as steward, given the keys to different wings of the prison. And those who had mistreated him then came to him and would grab his hand, his, his feet and cry and ask him for mercy so that he wouldn't take reprisal against the people who had um, intimidated and beaten him in prison. Well, this gave a, a great opportunity for the sharing of his faith in Jesus Christ. He shared about the love of Christ and, and the people from this unreached people group that he'd been trying to win, but unsuccessful before going to prison, began coming to the Lord in prison. And there he won over 60 people to the Lord. Among those people were 12 who got out of prison, released before him, such that when he was released, they met him in the very center of this area where the unreached people group lived, 8 million people. And they committed together, this 12 and himself, Wahid, to reach the 8 million unbelievers from the M people group. In these 15 years now, as time has gone by, They've reached not only 6,900 from that unreached people group, but then from those people, they became aggressive missionaries, reaching out to 21 other islands nearby. As they had their fishing routes, they'd stop and bring a witness. So there were 3,000, maybe 200 on those other islands that have developed. And then they stirred another team on the mainland. And those people have reached, I think, 76,000. Those people over a period of time, along with the original people from that fierce island, have reached out together. And this, this, now I'm speaking about the Green Arrows. They've sent out 20 local missionaries raising money from within the Islamic underground church, no buildings. These are meeting in houses linked together. And they reached first 1,197 believers on the first Green Arrow to the left, an Islamic area, and then a Christianized area that had been Islamicized further to the east, 2,300. And then those one-year committed missionaries came back, but they were so encouraged by this program that they then are in the process of sending out 30 local missionaries with local funding up in the blue areas to the left. These are distances of two, 3,000 miles. This map is wider than the U.S. And from that area, which started out in a prison, a story in a 15-year period now is over 96,000 believers. It's, it's, it's hard. I don't expect you to believe it. It's hard for me to believe. But what we're seeing in the areas of the world where Muslims are being reached is a vital, thriving, growing, expanding church, honestly, from which the Western church has to, has to pay attention. It has to see in what sense is it, is, are they going to get renewal through an unexpected sector of the international body of Christ. In this process, Wahid sold his house, sold his motorcycle to fund trips to these islands. What drives a growing missional community? We've already seen the map and we're on to the next screen. The church in Ephesus, uh, the letter we just read and we'll read again, the church started during persecution. Uh, they had to move underground they took some number, probably under 20 believers, the first 20 underground, for 
two years. We're intensively mentoring them. Paul was. And in this period, they apparently had weekends, week-long period, month-long periods, traveling around the entire province. And the scripture says that in that period, everybody in the entire province heard the gospel. It goes on to tell a story, a strange story, about a demonic uh, manifestation. And in the end of that story, this is from Acts uh, 19, they had a, a time when they decided suddenly to bring, they'd been, saving, they'd been believers, but they'd been hiding their magic books in their homes, and they decided they had to bring them out. And they had to bring them together, and they had to burn the things from their past that were polytheistic, that were in opposition to God's plan, his mission. And so they burned those books in Acts 19. It says the value of those books was valued at the equivalent of 50,000 days wages. So if you had 50,000 workers working for an average wage, it would be about $10 million by U.S. standard today. That's the value of the books that were burned. How many believers were it were there that had gathered their magic books to burn that much uh, valued uh, value of magic books? I think it's at least 10,000 believers in a two-year period. This was a vital, growing, emerging church. It was expanding. It was thriving. There was a vitality to it. What drives this kind of growing, vital, missional church? We go on to the next screen. What, what brings it to birth? What births a, my, a vibrant missional community? In this next passage we'll read, we'll look at the ascended Christ. Remember, uh, Christ started in heaven above. He descended to earth. He took on the body of a human, became like us so that he could really form the bridge, crossing over all the heavens. And then Christ raised him from the dead. The resurrection applies to him being raised from the dead. But the ascension is when he was then lifted up from earth back up to heaven. So in this passage we'll read, he's the ascended victorious Christ. The generals of the day would lead uh, their captives in chains in parades before all of their supporters lining the streets. They'd be throwing flowers out to them and, and shouting hooray, you know, at the end of a battle. And they would bring these defeated foes. They would have their captives and they would have the plunder. And then they would distribute the plunder out to their supporters. This is the backdrop of the passage where Christ then, who is the victor, gives out grace gifts to his supporters. But there's a purpose in this passage And that's seen in the purple ink to fill all things with himself. It's it's a mystical statement. It's hard to grasp, but to, to see that he's the creator of all, he fills all. And then he wants to fill all things with himself through his church. Here's the passage. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of God's gift. So, Christ is distributing gifts that are of value to every believer. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high as the victorious uh, majestic king, he led a captive, a host of captives, and he gave gifts out to men. How this expression, he ascended, what does it mean? Except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is himself also he 
he who ascended far above all the heavens with the purpose in purple so that he might fill all things. These are grace gifts that we're talking about. What drives a growing after its birth? What drives it to keep growing, to keep thriving, to keep expanding? In this next passage, we're going to see that there's a list of five types of gifted people. And with their titles, apostle, prophet, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. Uh, People talk about this with abbreviation, A-P-E-S-T, apest. God gives these apest gifted people. And this is so that they might function to equip or empower all of the believers. So the question is, how do we get the whole team involved? These five sets of people are supposed to activate, empower, equip the giftedness of all believers. And then together, these five kinds, plus all of the other believers together, again, the purpose statement in the purple, our purpose together is to build up this body of Christ, this thriving, uh, vital a missional community that's maturing. Next, we'll see the passage itself here. And so this victorious Christ gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. And here, for what purpose? To equip, to empower the saints, that's the believers, for the work of their service, for the things that all of us have been destined to do for God in this world. We're part of this epic tale, this missional tale of the mission of God. But the purpose of that is to build up so that together we build up the body of Christ until we all all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to become a mature man, that is, to become mature as a whole body, not just one church like this, but all the churches linked together in Camarillo and in Ventura County and, and in California and together linked together with all the churches I know about that are underground in the Muslim background areas of Indonesia. And then as this matures to measure to what level maturity, to the measure of the stature, which belongs to the fullness of Christ. He's not only the gifter, He's the standard that we're moving towards. So then third, what marks a maturing missional community? What are some of the markers? What are some of the things we'd say, that's it. That's a maturing son. That's a maturing daughter. That's a maturing group of people. In brief, it's the unshaken beliefs that we have when other philosophies and and thoughts come from different aspects of the world's message And it comes contrary to our beliefs, but we remain unshaken. It's truthful talk, talk, speaking the truth, but in love, combining those two, truth and love at the same time. It's the sense of how to fit together in a complementary relationship, one to the other, so that together it's like a a well-running football or basketball team that's together accomplishing. And then lastly, it has a sense of self-generating, self-growing, setting itself up for expansion. We'll see then the passage. As a result, we are no longer to be children 
tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every kind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, by speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body that's being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, and it causes the, the self-generating growth of the body for the building of itself in, up of itself in love. So the big idea in summary of, of these three points is there's, we have a victorious, majestic, powerful Christ who's overall, and he, in his victory, gives out grace gifts to the believer communities, the people of God. And these come in first in the form of these five apes gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. And these are working together to activate, to um, mobilize, to equip, to empower all of believers. It has to do with how many of the believers can be activated and accomplishing the missions. that, And that's how then it grows as a missional community. And lastly, to, to the fullness of Christ who fills all. So there's a standard, there's a power behind us, and there's a standard we're moving towards. Now here we have a colorful movement engine. We're going to talk about movements. From my experience in Indonesia, a movement is where in a short period of time, I gave an example over a 15-year period of time, they, through this, Wahid and his experiences started in prison, had grown a church of 96,000 in 15 years. I know 21 people like this that I associate closely with. They all have stories like this. What's behind these movements that are happening in other areas of the world, and quite honestly, happening most slowly in North America and South America? Around the globe, these are happening, but most slowly in the West. Now, why is that? I've been trying to ponder that in my 30 years that I've been away. What is it that's happening and how can I make a contribution back to the West? In this picture, we're going to need to see this. The movement starts with the apostle. Now, I come from a background that makes us, makes, wants to make sure that we don't have any apostles that they're thinking they're getting a new part of the word of God. That's not what I'm talking about. This is the kind of apostolic figure that wants to see the gospel taken to the next population segments, to the next area, to the next city, to the next country, the next language group. That's the apostle. It's the pioneering person. And we still have those today who's innovative, who has a vision for changing what is to become something better, and who wants to keep looking for the peoples that need a new approach. The prophet comes up next in the sequence and this is a type of person that spends a lot of time listening to God. They hear God. Sometimes they get a sense of visions. They get a sense of pictures, impressions on their heart. And they feel things deeply about what God wants. And people sometimes don't want to listen to them, but they still keep speaking about what God wants. And they want to defend social justice. They want people to learn how to be more compassionate. And they want to reach out to the brokenhearted and to the poor and to the, out, the classes that are outside of the acceptable classes. And then we come to the evangelists in the red. These are the people that always have the gospel story on their heart. 
Lee had his son dying in the hospital, 15-year-old son. And I called him and I said, how are you doing with the stress, Lee? He says, sometimes it's so bad, I have to go to other parts of the hospital and share the gospel with people to lighten my heart. And I thought, okay, this is a gifted evangelist that when they're under stress, they want to get back to the good news of the gospel. This is a person who thinks about the needs of unbelievers. And they have a woo, they can persuade people. Then it moves to the shepherd. The shepherd nurtures. But they're not just the shepherd with the sheep. They tend to create caring communities. They create glue between people so that they stick together. And then comes the teacher. They like to look at what God is saying through his word. They share God's wisdom. They inspire the doing of God's word. They think about processes and help people to figure out how to accomplish uh, the goals and the mission of God. So in this next picture... We have some more details. I think we won't take time for that. But uh, it draws out a little bit more if you want to read quickly. And you might picture yourself as one of these people. Or you might know someone that's one of these people. And they have uh, a combination at times. In this next screen are some of my people uh, in uh, the 21 that are movement catalysts that I work with. Taking just the picture where I show up on the left, this is one team of three apostolic agents. The short one, Zane, who must be under five foot, uh, since I'm foot, five foot eight there in the picture, and I look like the giant, don't I there? But uh, anyway, Zane is, I put next to, uh, above his head, A, apostle, P, prophet, and S, shepherd. That's the combination with his greatest gifting being an apostle, but he's prophetic. This morning, last night when I went to bed, I said, Zane, I need some more pictures. Can you send me more pictures? He's sending me pictures, telling me stories till this morning, WhatsApp uh, text coming. You know, he's on the job. He wants to try to, to do, speak into the American population of believers, even though he doesn't speak English. The guy on my right, who's about my son's age, he has an AT gifting, an, an apostle first, and very strong teacher. He has a doctorate in theology. And then on the left is Lee, the one I told you about, the evangelist, who's also a shepherd and teacher. He came to a point, he was so happy that he'd won personally 220 Muslims to the Lord and had them in groups. But he just felt disappointed because he all of his time was used up and he, he couldn't figure out how to reach anymore. He didn't have any more time. And he, we needed some of the rest of us with the apostolic gifting to talk to him about how to reframe what he was doing. And now he's at uh, about 34,000 believers. How do these people uh, complement each other with their different giftings? Who is it that has these gifts amongst you? And so then think for a minute, what will you take home from listening to me? And I'm sure it's a, a different kind of experience listening to me. You know, I hardly ever speak English when I speak in Indonesia. So um, I have to train myself. There were a couple of times I had to stop words coming out because they were coming out in Indonesian. And you're thinking, this guy doesn't sound like anybody I've heard before. I, I don't know. I'm sorry. That's who, that's who I am. But anyway, what are you going to take home? This is an encounter that God has put you in an experience with me and with this section of the word of God, which if any, do you have of these gifts here on the screen? Which is your first, your strongest of these gifts if you're an equipper? And maybe how does it match or be complemented by your 
strength number two among these gifts or three? Or who, how are some of these people that are in this church that you know are interacting with this church, coming in and going out to some nearby area, but occasionally coming back in? This is an interwoven community. How are the people having these gifts? How are they influencing you? Question number two in the right top. Who is the apostle, A-P-E, is the apostle, prophet, and evangelist in your community? What I've found is I, as I return to the U.S. occasionally, I feel like the apostolic people, the prophetic people, and many times, but maybe not in this church, the evangelists, uh, they're, they're kind of, they're not highly valued. They're, they're not highly, they don't tend to know who they are. Or if they do, they don't think they're really that accepted. Who are these APE people? Often churches in the West, I feel, are known by their teachers and by their shepherds. But I know the history of this church has had strong evangelism. Ralph Rittenhouse, you know, Daryl, uh, Bud Harley when he was here, Kenny Kimball. I know the Emma Tangelos, some of you know them. These are all gifted evangelists. So in our history here at this church, the red circle has been strong. But what happens when any one of these or more than one of these is missing? What happens when one or more of these is uh, immature or not functioning because of some reason? What happens when um, one type of people up here doesn't get along well with another type of people? And I, and I tend to think the apostles and the prophets tend to be in conflict because the apostles want to charge the hill. They want to keep moving forward. They're thinking about how to accomplish things through people. And the prophets are saying, hey, wait a minute, slow down. Let's take time and listen to God. I don't believe any of that's, that's too much human action. We want to just listen and pray and let God show us the way. So there's some internal conflict. I, I think between the evangelists, sometimes they're in conflict with the teachers and shepherds because the evangelists are running to the next unbeliever and trying to bring them to the Lord. And the shepherds and teachers are saying, hey, slow down. We, got, we need more time to try to mature the saints. And some of you are thinking, I don't know if I'm any of these people. But then, then the question for you is, what do you need from these people? And which of the, these people do you need right now to activate your giftedness? There's a whole other set of gifts. That's another message. But every believer has gifts and is act, supposed to be an active in ministry. What do you need? to be activated in ministry. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time as we've reflected on these high and majestic picture of a powerful, sovereign, reigning Christ over all the known world, over all the unseen world, over all the people of God that are people of God today, and over all the people of God who are yet to become people of God. We pray that you would activate the power of God through your people, the muscle of God through your missional community. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you, Todd. Uh, can we give him a hand for that? Yeah, thanks. Todd's been um, a, one of our missionaries in Indonesia for uh, 30 years now, and it's so good having him home and be able to hear about what's going on in his life. Hey, in just a moment, we're going to be uh, providing an opportunity to receive communion.
Uh, communions, when we take communion, it's an opportunity to remember Jesus's sacrifice on the cross and what he did for us, uh, our forgiveness and grace that we've received, where we remember that he said he's coming again and we have hope for the future. Um, it's an opportunity to declare that Jesus is Lord as we receive communion, that we're all in on this. Our lives, our trust, our faith is in him and in him alone. Um, when Jesus said, do this, it was an invitation for us to come and meet him in communion. It's something that's intensely personal, where we um, have, we should examine ourselves, confess any sins, um, rededicate ourselves to the Lord. There's opportunities to do that, and it's a very personal thing. But it's also a very corporate thing where we're reminded that we're part of a family of believers as we do this together. So during the next couple songs, um, we're going to have the, a chance. You can just come forward when you feel led. You can come with your family. You can come by yourself um, and receive communion here in the front. Um, if you're unable to get out of your seat, um, you can raise your hand, and the ushers can bring you uh, communion as well. All right, let's continue in worship. I will 
my heart will sing no other name Jesus Jesus my heart will sing no other name Jesus Jesus my heart will sing Praise the Lord. All right, you can have a seat. Hey, if you're joining us today and you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want to thank you for coming. I think this is a great place to come and explore what Christianity is all about. 
Um, but you know, there might be an opportunity. Maybe God's drawing you today to uh, accept Him as your Savior. What that means is, if you're not a follower of Jesus, then you're either following the culture, you're following the world, you're living for yourself and what's right, um, what in your own eyes. And when you become a believer, you kind of turn away from that and you turn towards God and you say, "God, I want to go Your way. I want to live Your way according to Your Word. Um, I want to accept Your offer of forgiveness." that's been paid forth by your blood through your death on the cross. God's waiting to forgive you. He's waiting to accept you. Um, and all we have to do is receive that gift. He's not going to force it on us. He allows us to reject him. And if you want to continue the world's way, that's fine. If you want to start following Jesus, um, it's just a matter of um, believing and accepting that he died for your sins and that you're forgiven. Um, and if you have questions about that, I encourage you to go to the counter on the, on the way out um, and ask a question. Let them know, hey, I'm ready to follow Jesus. What does this mean? I have questions. We want to be there for you as your church. Um, if you're joining us online, and I know there's like 75 people out there. We see you. Uh, welcome. Um, if you're there and you don't know Jesus and you want to, go to campcc.net, click on Next Steps, fill out a form, and we want to get back to you to help you understand what it means to be a follower. Um, all right, we're going to receive our offering now. It's one of the ways we give back to God. Um, and I just want to remind you about something before we do that. Remember James Samuel in the fall when we were raising money for the Welcome Project, which is still moving forward rather slowly, but uh, they're still going forward. But during that time period, this opportunity came, and it seemed like bad timing because we were tr doing this fundraiser, but there's James Samuel, one of our missionaries, and he had a need. He's trying to raise money to buy land um, where he can build a church where in, in uh, India where he's, there's high persecution and they needed their own place. They kept getting kicked out. Well, our church raised almost $50,000 towards that. Yeah. And uh, we've sent them the first 25000 and they were able to buy the land. Um, and then we just uh, recently sent the next 25000 so that they can begin construction. Um, and we have this video from James. Check it out. Hi, I'm Pastor James from Lucknow and standing with Mini. And I'm so glad to tell you the land that we were praying for, City Light Church, that finally we found the right place and the right time. And thank you for all of you for praying. And this is the land where we are standing. This is 2,080 square feet. Exactly that we are in need of that much land. And God provided this land and very soon we are going to register this land for the glory of the Lord. And it is very convenient to all the believers to reach this right place to worship the Lord. Thank you very much. And we are so excited. We are so happy to tell you that God done wonderful things and marvelous things and the answer of our prayer. Thank you very much. Continuously to pray 
and uh, I, I have we had a talk with the landowner. He agreed to give, and there is all the possibility came up to register this land. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you all the people, those who prayed for us and those who raised the fund for us, and may the God bless all of you. Thank you very much. Wow. So pretty awesome. Thank you for your generosity towards that. Um, there's three ways to give. If you're interested in doing it, you can give online. There should be a little graphic coming up on the screen. Uh, via your phone, you can text 84321, or there's an offering box in the lobby. And I don't know if you know this, when you give to us, $10 out of every 100 goes to World Missions, and we're able to support James, who's one of our missionaries, and Todd, who spoke this morning, and others throughout the world. So thank you for your generosity to this church. All right, um, check out, I think this is probably our best announcement video we've ever had. So check this one out. Hey, Camp CC, I'm Molly Kibble, and I serve in the children's ministry here. I'm glad that you are here with us today. If today is your first time with us, welcome. If it's your second time, welcome back. If you are a first-time guest, we have a $5 Starbucks gift card for you. All you have to do is grab a connection card, fill it out on both sides, and take it to the welcome counter in the lobby. Or you can scan this QR code with your phone's camera and let the welcome counter know that you filled it out digitally. You can also let us know how we can pray for you. If this is your second time filling out a connection card, we have a $10 gift card to In-N-Out Burger. Just let us know it's your second time at the welcome counter, and it's yours. We will also invite you to our all-you-can-eat dessert with our pastors, elders, and staff. If you're watching online, go to camcc.net slash next steps. There are a lot of cool things coming up at CamCC. Who will you invite to come and check us out? August 11th through 14th, Middle School Catalina Summer Camp. Kayaking, snorkeling, hiking, games, prizes, and more on the island of Catalina. This will be a week you do not want to miss. We have some spots left and you don't want to wait, so register now at camcc.net slash Catalina. Or for more info, contact Jacob at camcc.net. August 13th, Awana registration begins. Awana is a fun, engaging Bible club for kids ages three years through high school. Registration can be done online at camcc.net slash Awana or on the church patio. Awana begins on September 7th. Wednesday, August 16th, worship night at 7 p.m. These are powerful nights of encountering God's presence. They continue to grow, so get here early and grab a seat. And kids, check this out. Birth through PK is PJs and popcorn. Come in your pajamas and K through 5th, back to school bash. We're talking worship, scavenger hunt, and root beer floats. This is a night you won't want to miss. For more info, contact Katie at camcc.net. October 20th through 22nd, Women's Retreat. Save the date, ladies. It will be here before you know it. For more info, connect with Allison at camcc.net. To stay in the loop of what's going on at CamCC, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more info on any of these events, go to camcc.net. My name is Sam Stevenson, and I'm the K-3 director, and I just thought it was really great to hear from Todd today and his insights on missions and just how we can be better activated in ministry personally and as a church. Um, let's see if you have two more opportunities to hear more from Todd tonight and tomorrow, Monday night at 7 p.m. over in the Fellowship Hall. We hope to see you there. And be praying always about someone you can invite to come back with you next week. And as we get ready to go out this week and celebrate the 4th of July, independence and the freedom that we have, 
to serve God in our country, I want to say a very special welcome home to our VAW 116 families. Welcome back to Camp CC. We've been praying for you. Now let's head out to the patio to have some coffee and donuts and fellowship. See you next Sunday.